This is an ABC podcast. Oh, now that's fresh. That's a breeze from the Antarctic. I'm in Hobart. On a ferry from Brook Street Pier to Berrydale Peninsula, it's, it's about 25 minutes one way, down this swathe of buffeted water, the Derwent River, to Mona, uh, probably the most exciting home of modern art in the country. And what a thing that is to find here in Tasmania, that, that little sometimes forgotten island, as close as Australia gets to the bottom of the world. It's a place of beauty, from from the rugged and imposing to the soft and bucolic, that little state at the bottom of Australia. Protected by a moat, of course, the the turbulent, windy seas of Bass Strait. And you know, I sometimes get the feeling that the locals, they like it this way. They like that barrier. Doesn't put us mainlanders off, though. It has never been so cool to relocate. 2021, uh, the number of people in Tassie, 558,000, thank you census. Now, well, it's the second fastest growing state in the country. 47,600 new people calling Tasmania home. There's a Facebook group, it's called That's It, I'm Moving to Tassie, 25,000 members, so place to be and and why wouldn't you come here shucking oysters hiking mountains fly fishing fine whiskey it's it's idyllic thing is anyone i know who lives in tasmania they tell me it's a terrible place i mean come on surely not i had to find out i had to answer that big question is tasmania really terrible Jonathan Green, this is Return Ticket, the podcast that takes you on journeys of the mind to the near and the far flung, searching for what the tourist never sees. In this season, we tour Paris by baguette, uh, test the odds in Las Vegas, and sync with the rhythms of Ho Chi Minh City. I'm starting my Tassie quest with Tasmanian resident cartoonists first dog on the moon and John Kadelka. They're two of Australia's best. They've made a living out of mocking some of society's most powerful figures. We're at First Dog's farm in the beautiful Huon Valley. It's incredibly idyllic. The sun is rising over the valley, pockets of sleepy mist in the lowlands, everything leafy and in bloom, there are chickens roaming. It looks the ideal escape from the grind of city life. Oh, hello, Mr On The Moon. Oh, for God's sake, what are you doing here? Everyone's moving to Tasmania. I, I thought I'd try it on. Oh, no, you don't want to move here. Why not? It's a terrible, dangerous place. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. Oh, was that a snake? That's probably the first one. 
what's he doing here? Oh, hello, Mr John Kadelka. He wants to move to Tasmania. Oh, you and the rest of Australia, you do not want to move here. I don't understand. It looks a perfectly lovely place. That's part of the problem is it looks nice, but underneath that idyllic, bucolic, rolling hills and virgin forests is a seething, dystopian hellscape. It's awful. Mostly snakes, actually. You've got a bit of a campaign about this, John. You, you, you call it honest tourism. I had uh, my mate Dog down here for a couple of weeks to test a few whiskies around the state, and uh, the weather was, as always occurs when a mainlander pops down, absolutely gorgeous. And I spent the whole week telling him, this is not what it's really like. You do not want to come here. I didn't listen. I didn't believe him. I was like, this is fantastic. Uh, and then I moved down, and it's it's awful. The UV level of the sun is so hot that you burn to a crisp in under 30 minutes, and that's that's just spring and autumn. In summer, you can't even go outside. Like five years ago, Dog was modelling. He was, he was on the catwalk. He was modelling underwear. He was making a lot of money. And look at him now. now look at his skin. I'm like a charred log. I mean, you look at him now, you'll never eat bacon again. This is the dream for so many people. This is an adorable lifestyle. Well, you would think so. Um, I mean, the birds just never shut up. There are lakes that have the highest levels of arsenic and lead and zinc up there with other countries in the world. I mean, we are we are punching above our weight when it comes to poisoned waterways down here. Now, if you Google that, you will see that some of those mines have leached into some of the most beautiful lakes you'll ever see. Except, of course, if you can't you can't get in the water because if it's not the sharks or the ice, uh, it'll be the arsenic. I mean, every, everything in Tasmania is a trap, basically. If it looks nice, it's a trap. Is there anyone in Tassie who actually likes the place? Uh, you could try your luck at Mona. Yeah, Brian Ritchie might know. <laughs> Brian Ritchie, the bass player from the Violent Femmes. Let me go on. You know, those guys. And now the artistic director of Mona Foma. I'll ask Brian. Mona, or the Museum of Old and New Art, has become... A Tassie icon are located on the banks of the River Derwent in Berrydale. It's 11 k's north of, of Hobart Central. It's a bold but controversial entity. It's turned a state, known for apples and logging, into a hub for the wildest creative arts. And Mona itself, this building, really is a, a thing of beauty. Well, of course it is, but yeah, you don't want you don't want to move to Tasmania. Why? Well, Tasmania is, uh, you know, it's kind of a weird place. Like, there, there are a lot of problems here. Like, for example, the other day I went surfing and, you know, I got to the beach and it was completely deserted and there was nobody there. I was just surfing all by myself. I didn't have to compete for any waves or anything. So that's terrible. I was pretty confused. Yeah. <laughs> You're Brian Ritchie, aren't you? Yes, of course. Okay, so you're 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 in the arts. You you are this country's longest standing director of an arts festival. I think that might be possibly true. It's been 15 years that I've been doing uh, the artistic direction of Monofoma, and it has been an honor to work with thousands and thousands of of artists, uh, musicians, dancers, literary people filmmakers. It's an incredible job. The relationship between Monofoma and Mona, can you describe that for me? Well, Monofoma actually was the first public outing of Mona. So it was the first thing that came under the Mona brand name. 
And actually, the actual first event of Monofoma, which was the first time Mona had been used publicly, was a protest march that we did from North Hobart down to Salamanca, and it was a protest against Monofoma. <laughs> this confused the public, uh, the artists, the media, and basically the city equally. That's the beginning, though, of a, I mean, a, a, a transformative institution now in, in Hobart and Tasmania. Well, we ran the festival for three years, and it was kind of like a blueprint for what was going to happen at the museum. And it was a way of saying, okay, we're doing a festival, Monofoma, and just wait until we open up the museum, which we did three years later. That opened in, in 2011. And ever since then, well, it's become huge tourist attraction. Probably the majority of people who come to Tasmania come to visit the museum or attend one of our festivals. And it's, it has transformed the place and it's changed people's viewpoint about Tasmania. But as you know, Tasmania is pretty crap. So, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it was easy to change their viewpoint because there's so many hard times that we have to face here. Like, for example, every once in a while, there's a, a few minutes of traffic. See, you, you first went there with Violent Femmes in 1989. I mean, you must have been appalled. Well, that was an interesting time, and we were just reminiscing about that. Actually, the first rave that I ever saw was in 1989 in Hobart. After the show, we were invited to a rave, and it was in what is now the Henry Jones Art Hotel. At that time, it was just an empty building, and there were these kind of like feral people putting on some kind of DJs, and it was very primitive, and that was my first rave, and it was right here in Tasmania. Who else would you recommend I visit while I'm here? Maybe you could take a ferry uh, over and visit Bob Brown. Bob Brown, Greens Party icon and former senator for Tasmania? That's a fine idea, Brian. Thank you. Well, it's been nice talking to you. I, I hope I haven't dissuaded you too much from coming to Tasmania. No, it sounds like a terrible place. It's a pretty bad place, but, you know, it's worth visiting at least once. I'll go see Bob Brown. All right. It was the one place, the, the one thing rate. going forever was yeah. that you can afford to buy a house and now you can't. There actually is one thing going for Tasmania, or at least for Hobart. Mm. It's cheap to park your car. Oh, if you compare yeah. it to Sydney or Melbourne. I mean, if you get a parking ticket down here, it's still less than, than you would pay. In Sydney. I'll, I'll leave that there and, and start a journey to the Franklin River, uh, where I hope to find Bob Brown, one of the architects behind the campaign to save it. The rivers in the, in the Central Highlands and, and the western regions of Tasmania, its headwaters begin in the Shane Range and it flows onto the Gordon River. It's 130 kilometres later. And having just left Mona, that's... Hmm. hmm how, let me just open Google Maps. Hmm. 294 kilometres away. All right. Uh, that shouldn't be too hard. I will make the journey first by car. I might try a walk. Hmm, why not kayak? 
Two weeks later... You've arrived at your destination. People have, have had to fight for nature in this place, and they still are. Famously, back in 1982, the Tasmanian government had plans to dam the Franklin River to make way for a huge hydroelectric development. Ignoring that river's World Heritage listing, it was a turning point in Australian environmental history. A bloke called Bob Brown, he helped establish the Wilderness Society and the campaign to stop the damming of the Franklin began, a campaign that led to the formation of the world's first Greens Party, headed by that man. Ah, oh, well, I never... It's, it's Bob Brown here on, on the Franklin River. Bob, hello. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Uh, look, I am, I am splendidly well. There you are, the man who, who saved this river. As Premier Gray said, it's nothing but a brown, bleach-ridden ditch, but these people keep paying good money to float down it, so there you go. I don't know, it looks pretty impressive to me. Where's the brown ditch? Oh, you've been looking at the pictures. Before that, Premier Reese described mainland bushwalkers. They hit the nail on the head. People who've got one $5 note and one shirt and come down here and go home having changed neither. You're trying to keep people out of your beautiful state. Beautiful, leech-ridden ditches. The talk about leeches, they're everywhere. And you know, since 1970, 300 people have been bitten by snakes. Not all of them died, of course. But I, I think, uh, why would anybody want to come down here? That's what John Kadelka told me, that the place is plagued by snakes, apparently. <laughs> Well, there's a few around, I have to tell you, but we've got enough looking after things as they are without having interfering people coming from elsewhere. We've got through a few new ways of dealing with that. Now, if you stand in front of a tree, because that's industry for us, jail, 18 months. And I warn anybody who does want to come, don't wear green. It is a bad look. If you get a fine, it'll be a big one. And if you get the wrong magistrate, it'll be straight to the cooler. You did prison time, Tassie. Eight or nine times, actually. I've been grabbed by the collar. But just a couple of times in jail. Chopper Reed was there on one occasion. I learnt quite a lot while I was there. But 19 days for the Franklin uh, Christmas. Mind you, the saveloys are good. The tomato sauce is good. The bread and margarine's not bad either. So if you want to come to Tasmania, end up in prison. That might be the best way to go about it. Well, it's free. Tell me about the weather. People want to go to Cradle Mountain. It's, it's wet 300 days a year. The West Coast, the Tarkine, you know, rainforest. Why is it there? Because it rains and it snows. Ice on the roads, people slipping into each other. I, I think those mainlanders, they, they live too close to the desert. They just don't know what it's like down here. It's a different world, cold, you know. Electricity prices going up, so people don't have that anymore. Oh. It's all been diverted north. So it's a bit bleak. Look out the window on any given day, but, you know, just look up here by the Franklin River. What do you see? Cloud. But a, a, a beautiful forest. Yes, dripping what? Water. And a few glowworms at night because they get into the drier places, but at least it lights things up a bit. So I'm getting the feeling that you wouldn't recommend, Bob Brown, that I move to Tassie. I come down here 50 years ago. And I'm still saving to get my ticket back. <laughs> Maybe we pass the hat round, Bob. We can see what we can do. Oh, well, gee whiz. I, here was me thinking, you know, beautiful mountains, fabulous walking, 
lovely rivers, beautiful forests. No, it's all propaganda. Just call somebody who lives down here and they'll tell you don't come. We've uh, got to look after it ourselves. Hordes of visitors, who wants that? Someone's told me that I should have a look at a place called Bluff Hill Point. you have any reports on that? Uh, look at the name of it. Bluff Hill, that's pretty ordinary. And what's the point? <laughs> anyway, if you do get there, all you do is get wind in your face. It's right in the roaring 40s and probably get wet again because the waves are breaking right up onto the shore. Forget about those seals too. We're dealing with them. We shot 70 last year. They're a bit of a problem, particularly if you want to grow a few Atlantic salmon. But anyway, Bluff Hill Point. Let people go there. That'll teach them a lesson. All right, I'll give it a go. Thanks, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure, Jonathan. Northwest coast of Tasmania. What? What a rugged place. No trees, no tree can stand it. Just low, green, rocky scrub. And the sea just just mounds up into it. Waves rolling all the way from the bottom of Africa, crashing home here at at Bluff Hill Point. I'm kidding. Oh, a bit of shelter here. I, I, I'm getting absolutely smashed by the wind. It's it's a magnificent but wild coastline. The swells are huge. I can't see a single person round. The, the sense of isolation is strong in this place. Oh, hello there. I, I thought there was no one else about. Well, dear Jonathan, usually you'd be right. I'm Emma Lee. I'm a Trawalway woman of Tebraquina country, northeast Tasmania. Well, what are you doing here in Manningham country? Well, this is Bluff Hill Point, isn't it? I, I, it's a beautiful place. I'm, I'm thinking of moving here. Uh, don't know if you'd want to move here to Trawana, which we know is Tasmania. Uh, I'm not really sure, dear Jonathan. I mean, it's... It is a place of blood and sorrow. Mm, You don't recommend it then? Well, I do for me, but maybe not for you. (laughs) (laughs) My lot have done enough harm. I would love to be able to welcome you, but you, Mom, have a long history of arriving without that welcome. Well, look, thanks for meeting me here anyway, Bluff Hill Point. What, What do you love so much about this place? Where, where do you start in, in the summertime as you're walking and clouds of butterflies come up in moments now when the smell of the wattle is completely overwhelming to track the animals, the wombat and the echidna, wallaby, to see the black swans on their homes in the lagoon, to... To have those days when the haze of the salt spray just wraps you up in this sort of gorgeous blanket. It's a place where the beauty of a night sky country means that we're sleeping outdoors. You just would someone turn those lights off, please? What does it mean, Emma, to you to what does it mean to be an Aboriginal Tasmanian? It means that when I joke about these old bones, um, <laughs> these old bones have a DNA in them that's 40,000 years old. And so to be connected to place through people and story 
over that kind of time is one of the most privileged positions to be in anywhere in the world, to be Aboriginal Tasmanian. And especially because as we're here and, you know, listening to the power of those waves, and of course there's nothing between us standing in West Coast country to, to South Africa that that we've been here for 10,000 years on this island. We're southern, isolated people in the world. And there is a sense of strength and stubbornness and cultural pride and vitality in being Tasmanian Aboriginal. Especially because settler Australians for a long time have said all Aboriginal Tasmanians have gone. Yes, it's very convenient, isn't it, when you want to take someone else's stuff? <laughs> <laughs> there is that. <laughs> Sad story is that, you know, we're, we're standing here and we're surrounded by a country of Parappa, Manningham, Tarkana, Peternadik, and, and those peoples aren't here in country anymore. They, you know, they got, they got genocided. And so this story of non-existence anymore kind of allows people off the hook to understand and make right that we are still here, you know, Mm. and offer an apology. It's quite hollow because you're not here. But when we are here... We have to deal with fixing these relationships between black and white Australia. And then there's this amazing, strong, wild and and beautiful country. Yeah, it's not pristine because, guess what, we touched it all. (laughs) This beautiful West Coast has a history of at least 30,000 years of being fire managed. In fact... Back, the term fire stick farming came from archaeological studies in the 1970s on the very lands that we're standing on today. And so this country is not wilderness because it's home. And it's not pristine because we lived in it. <laughs> but you wouldn't recommend that I do. <laughs> no way! <laughs> <laughs> You can finish up your sandcastle there and off you go. All right, everyone. Bye then. Bye bye. Winter goes for about nine months or so. Yeah, and you get it. It's that's nine months of winter in about twenty-five minutes of sunlight, I believe. It is very cold. I mean, this is the thing: is is people come down here and they go, "Oh, look, there's beautiful beaches." Um, but if you put a foot in the water, you get instant hypothermia, and then and then you're eaten by a shark. Uh, and I mean, I know people get eaten by sharks on the mainland, but not while simultaneously freezing to death. Yes, yeah, a lot of sharks with broken teeth because they they do tend to come in a bit late sometimes and actually have frozen solar. It's terribly unpleasant. That's enough from you. Thank you very much. Well, what a trip. Here I am. Uh, I'm, I'm back at First Dog on the Moons in the, in the Huon Valley. And what am I to make of all of that? 
I must say, I'm not cured. Uh, Tasmania has a strange fascination. A place to walk, a, a place to just look, a place for cutting-edge arts and culture, a, a place of grim colonial desecration, and a constant tension between environment and exploitation, but a compelling place like, like nowhere on Earth. And when mainland emigres like First Dog on the Moon and John Kadelka tell me that Tasmania is awful, the snakes, the weather, the people, you know what? I smell a rat. They protest too much. Tasmania, it's, it's more terrific than terrible. Let's not let them have it all to themselves. Attention, passengers. listening to Return Ticket, uh, this time from terrible Tasmania. You heard from First Dog on the Moon, John Kadelka, Brian Ritchie, Bob Brown and Emma Lee. Producers are Hayley Crane and Alan Whedon. Technical production and musical theme by Brendan O'Neill. Executive producer is Rhiannon Brown. And if you enjoyed this podcast, tell your friends. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Green. listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.